Camel boots on my feet, bow in my hand, walking in the early Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors, and on the line, a special guest. This man is a true, true uh, inspiration to me, and, and this guy is so smart about the whitetail, and he's done so much for the outdoor industry. In, in my mind, a true, true mentor, true legend. Uh, Mr. Grant Woods. Welcome to the show, Mr. Grant. Alex, how are you, my friend? We are doing good. In the studio with me right now is my editor, co-host, producer, Redbone Mike Crace, and to the right of me is my brand manager, Wayne Locke, and also a co-host. We want to, They all want to welcome you to the show. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, guys. Man. Great to be with you again. Yes, sir, man. Uh, Missouri whitetail season is open right now, rifle season. Season is opening, and Redbone and I and Wayne have been talking about the numbers of whitetail, and they are down right now across the state. Did you know that? You know, I don't know if they're down as much as they're just not moving and due to a lot of acorns and stuff going on. You know, our doe harvest has been down for two years in a row, so there should be a lot of deer out there. Our doe harvest has been down about 20%, so that means there's a lot of critters out there somewhere. Yeah, and I think the, the the point we wanted to make was the, the deer that have been checked, the number is down. Yes, it is. It uh, is. By 10,000, yeah. just opening weekend alone by 10,000. And we, and we kind of speculate that some of that, and I don't know we're going to talk about this later, but some of that may be uh, people just not checking deer. Uh, you know, we have the telecheck now and kind of the, the uh, honor method, and, and I don't know that uh, there are, you know, that. There are some people that just don't honor the honor method, if you know what I mean. But, but still, 10,000 on opening weekend is a significant number uh, when you're talking about the number of deer that are check being down. Yeah, it's about 10%. It was, it, you know, it was, it, usually we're 90, 90 or 100,000 or so, and we're down about 10. So about 10%. And the weather was awesome. Guys, I was thinking it was going to be up. We had it, just great weather throughout almost the whole state. And I thought, boy, it's going to be a lot. But here at my place, I have a habit, I don't know, since I was a kid, I guess, uh, just counting shots opening morning kind of gives, you know, mm-hmm. you always mm-hmm. know when deer are moving, you hear a bunch of shots and hollers and yells. And I heard fewer shots this year than I believe I've ever heard on when I'm hunting this around here. Yeah, I'd say that for the area where I was hunting Saturday morning, too. It was almost no shots. Yeah, no. yeah, it was it was it was kind of spooky how few shots there were. I, I did see some deer able to take a couple of does off our land. Uh, but I didn't hear as many shots, and I, I wonder if a part of it isn't that people are just waiting for bigger bucks than they used to. Used to, boy, when I was a kid, you know, you you saw antlers, <laughs> you were pulling the trigger, you had that lever action thirty thirty, and you were going to town, saplings, deer, whatever you you know, you just you were slinging some lead out there, and and now, and it's not a bad thing, but folks are a lot more picky on on what they're shooting and. And waiting, you know, they've got a long, relatively long season. So I wonder if part of it is folks aren't just waiting for a little bit different deer than they used to take. And I'm going to agree with you on the uh, acorn um, yield that's going on right now because I was in the woods uh, just two days ago and walking the fence line, and we have this strip that runs between Alex's property and my property. And, you know, last year we used to have quite a few deer. You see out there some does and that. But this year the number's been really down. I got a little concerned. I'm like, I wonder if there's something going on. 
started walking into the woods a little bit, and you could just stop and hear the acorns falling like it was raining outside. So it's like, well, that answers that question. There's our harvest. <laughs> yeah, I had a, a buddy get a hold of me, and he had I'd kind of helped him a little bit. Boy, he had the best food plots he's ever had. They're looking good. We had some timely rains, and and so he's hunting on those food plots because he's put a lot of energy into them, and and not seen any deer. And he called me. I said, "Man, you you got to get off those food plots right now. You got to mm-hmm. get in the timber because there's a pile of acorns and the bucks are running. And you do better getting in the timber than you will sitting on a food plot right now." I have a question for you, uh, Doctor Grant. Uh, Again, I have the utmost respect for you on your knowledge on whitetail, and uh, you're being very successful in the outdoor industry with your shows and uh, just a great show that you have. And the question is, how important is it to harvest does on properties? Well, I think it's critically important, but here's the single major. Everyone asks me how many deer should I harvest or how many does per acre or 100 acres or whatever. And, you know, gosh, it's all over the map. So if you have, if you want to grow a pretty good quality deer, you want the deer in your area expressing most of their potential, then you need to balance the number of deer you have, which means doe harvest, because, you know, bucks aren't, aren't giving us fawns. It's, it's always about does. You want enough quality food that there's food ava- available during August and March, the two typical stress periods here in Missouri and throughout most of the whitetails range, you know, well, we all, all of our clover plots look really good, you know, maybe in March or April or something like that, depending on the winter. But you need to have enough food that in April, uh, when the bucks are finishing, antler, I'm, excuse me, August, when bucks are finishing antlers and the does are finishing nursing, and then in March, when those does are in that last trimester of, of carrying that fetus and the bucks are recovering from the winter and going to be growing antlers soon, if you don't have enough food at those two periods, you need to remove some deer off your land, which means removing does. So to put that in scale, I'm, I, I get to hunt a pretty good-sized property, about a little bit over 2,000 acres, and last year we removed 55 does, and we'll probably remove another 50 this year. Wow. Uh, and, and I have really good buck hunting. Everyone says, oh, my gosh, you kill those does, your bucks are going to you know, go look for does across the neighborhood somewhere. Well, that's people putting human thoughts on deer. Deer don't have cell phones. They don't know Betty Lou's dancing over, <laughs> you know, at the other side of the ridge over there. They they don't know that. They And, and we got to think right now, as we're talking right now, there are thousands of deer, thousands of white-tailed deer across the landscape wearing a GPS collar. Yeah, mm-hmm. and lots of researchers studying those movements and what's going on. So in the last decade, we've just learned so much about deer that that, that that has destroyed some of the myths. Even you know, even I was taught, or I, you know, I used to believe, and you just can't, you know, you can't deny this data because it's so accurate anymore. So we remove a lot of does, and we have excellent buck hunting on our place. Matter of fact, better than it used to be because. Now there's more competition to find those receptive does, and boy, if I grunt or I rattle or I'm hunting over scrapes or you know whatever rut technique I prefer to use, it's much better now than it was five years ago with fewer does. Uh, Dr. Grant, I, I agree with you. Uh, I'm learning too. Uh, every every year I hunt my property, and uh, I hunt 166 acres right there that I caretake, and Wayne across the road owns 65 acres, and we are managing our place for mature bucks. Mm-hmm. And I harvested a four-and-a-half-year-old nine-point. I got good footage. Uh, but what I've learned is that 
when people say, oh, they'll always cross right here or right there, since we've had a massive acre crop, I'm seeing less deer in my food plots and less deer on my property than I've ever seen in a few years. Mm-hmm. But the deer are still there, but they're in the woods. And I they're, think they're, we can account some of the numbers being down for people not hunting the woods and people wanting to shoot trophy bucks. Yeah, so, I think those two factors are a huge factor. You know, um, what I tell people all the time, when there's red oak acorns on the ground at Christmas, there will be big gobblers killed the next year because there's plenty of food. That is right. And, Everybody... and at my place, we, we I'm a, I like to trap too, and we removed 83 raccoons and possums off my place last year, and the year before, 60 smod, and year before that, 60 smod. So I had a tremendous turkey hatch last year. Even Same. though we had all that rain and floods and really tough time for turkeys, we had the best turkey hatch we've had in years, and I believe that's due to removing a lot of nest predators, just a lot of them. That's a great subject, and I'm going to ask you to save that thought. We're going to go to a break, everybody. You're listening to American Roots Outdoors right here, right now with Dr. Grant Woods. Mike, where did you get the American Roots Outdoors hat and shirt? Those are cool. Well, I got them online, believe it or not, and you can too. Anybody could if they're online. Absolutely. It's not a big deal. www.americanrootsoutdoors.com Wishing on some love I've been on a big board For a while I can load him in the back of my truck We can take it to a holler Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge in the studio with us. Uh, We have Redbone and myself, uh, co-host, brand manager, and social media director, Wayne Locke. And on the phone with us, we have Grant Woods. Uh, You uh, just started touching base on the red oak crops uh, that were falling. Um, But actually, before you uh, touch on that anymore, I do want to share something with you. You kind of made me laugh when you said that uh, deer don't have a uh they don't think like a human i was just joking with a, a buddy of mine from ohio just a couple of days ago and i said uh i was observing a lot of bucks and that and i said one thing I, i've noticed because they were having the same uh problem up there is uh, they had a large acorn crop also i said you know i i was observing the bucks out in the field i said one thing i did notice i said now when we're looking for a date we're you know we log on to <laughs> farmersonly.com i said i'm watching all these bucks they're they're sitting right at the edge there and i said i did not see one of them pull out a phone and check dozeonly.com <laughs> and uh he said he goes well if that that's an app you can come up with he goes i guarantee you'll get big bucks every year so <laughs> But to, to finish your story about the um, the acorn crops and the yeah, turkey hunting, you know, how does that go? In, in this part of the world, anyway, we've had a huge red oak acorn crop, and, and red oaks tend to drop a little bit later than white oaks, and they're also full of tannins or tannic acid. makes them taste bitter until they've weathered a little bit. Well, we've had some rains recently and some cold freezing temperatures, and a cool thing, guys, I, I don't think a lot of guys picked up on this either, but... When that acorn or leaf, either one, is sitting up there, and you know it's blowing back and forth and wiggling, but it just doesn't let loose. And then we have a really hard freeze. And you think about it, when you freeze, you've got moisture, right? Mm-hmm. And it gets in those little bitty cracks between the leaves or the acorn where it's attached to the tree. And when moisture freezes, it expands, but it's like super glue, right? That, that frozen water holds tight. And then the sun comes up, 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning, starts warming up. Now that expanded overnight, so it broke that leaf or acorn free of the tree, Beautiful. but it didn't fall because it's frozen. It's stuck to it. 
and then it starts thawing. And we videoed this this year. That's and awesome. all of a sudden, in just a short period of time, the sun gets just right, and it, you know, we cross over from 32 degrees to 33, 34 degrees. Leaves and acorns let loose by the gazillion and hit the ground. Mm-hmm. And, and this year we had that. We were warm, 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 no freeze, no freeze, no real hard freezes. All of a sudden, we got down to 19 degrees at my place. And that next day, acorns here hit yeah. the ground like a banquet everywhere, and deer just abandoned food plots and went to the acorns. Well, that happened right before Missouri's firearm season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it just had this massive dump of a food source away from where guys been running their trail cameras or seeing deer sign, maybe been out bow hunting and seeing sign. And I think deer just really shifted their habitat, you know, their, the portions of the home range they're using literally overnight, and that threw some hunters a curveball. It did. You know, and everybody has spent all this money in food plots. Don't be so disheartened right now because everybody – they will have that food source after most of the acorns are gone for late season. So yes. There's yes. a positive now, to that. You're exactly right. I tell people all the time I like a little bit of an acorn crop because it gives my food plots time to grow and put some biomass out there so that late season hunting. And here's another thing, guys. If, you, if you're harvesting several does, you've got that adult sex ratio balanced or even in favor of bucks. I like to have about two bucks for every doe. So last mm-hmm. year... On my place, literally, we took 55 does and five bucks. Mm. Talk about adjusting your sex ratio quickly. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and, and so, man, we're grunting in deer like crazy this year. We're having a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. But our fawns are awaying by late season, by Christmas. Missouri's bow season goes to January 15th. We've got that late muzzleloader season in there. Yeah. If your female fawns get to about 65, maybe 70 pounds, they will reach puberty. They will become receptive. And unlike a doe, when a mature doe starts to become interceptive, sure, sure change your pattern, maybe even go to a different part of her home range. A lot of guys say, boy, I'm seeing 20 does in this food plot every day. I think bucks are going to come there. That's often not the case because the one doe that's receptive should break off and go to cover because that's her protection from a bunch of bucks harassing her. She's not going to stand in the middle of a food plot and have five bucks out there harassing her all the time. She's going to take cover. Well, Fawns don't know to do that. It's like a freshman going to prom. They don't know what they're getting into. So the fawns go to these food plots. By late season, they're going to food plots. They're done with acorns. They're going to food plots most years. And when those fawns are really healthy and they become receptive, they're still going to food plots every afternoon, just like clockwork, every afternoon. And those mature bucks are going to follow them right there. Some of my best hunts here in the Ozark Mountains are late season I agree. when those receptive fawns are coming to food plots, bringing those big mature bucks that have been so secretive all season long. They're out there chasing those fawns around the food plot, and the fawn will just run circles around the food plot. It's not like mom had for a thick cover. She's just, she don't know what's going on. She's going, okay, quit chasing me, quit chasing me. And, <laughs> man, I have tagged some good deer using that strategy. Well, I tell you what, guys, again, if you're just joining American Roots Outdoors, we've got Dr. Grant Woods, and you see why we love having him on the show. He is so in-depth, and he paints a picture for you and opens up myths and beliefs that hasn't been true. You know, you talked about acorns falling, and, and, and I have something neat at my house. I watch deer every morning, every evening. I'm like you. I'm obsessed, and I live it. And when acorns go to falling, I've got my turkey pen uh, next to my house, and i got big white oak and red oak trees in my yard, and all of a sudden you hear, ding, 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 hitting the tin roof. 
Yeah. That tells me what's going on. These acorns are dropping. So that tells me a, re- a green light comes on my mind. Hey, man, I need to focus on these certain trees. So yeah. the information you're sharing with us and we're sharing with our listeners, acorns, 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 acorns. Find your does right now in these big wood lots or small wood lots and find these certain trees that's dropping and you find the does, you're going to find these different bucks that are cruising It's still checking for receptive does. Some of these big mature bucks have been locked down. That's right. They've That's been right. locked and, yeah. you know, Another factor about Missouri's season this year, and this isn't true for all states, but Missouri, we open on a certain Saturday in November every year. Well, if you think about it, you know, Christmas may be on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It changes by one day each year. Mm-hmm. Well, we were on the last, the latest Saturday we will have. So each year, Missouri's season opens one day later and we're the latest it's ever going to be. You know, last year, our season was almost over by now. Yeah. So we opened way later than normal, and it was a whole different portion of the rut than guys are, are used to hunting. You're and, right. And, you know, they need a different strategy. So this was the year, next year, to be way earlier. This was the year that it opened when the most does were receptive, and those, you know, if a buck's 10 and a doe, he's, he's not moving a whole lot. Uh, Dr. Woods, I got a question about something that you said earlier, and that was when you were given the description of the, the acorns that are in the trees and it freezes and they're just hanging on really by the ice uh, that was created between them and the limb and, and same way with the leaves. Uh, which, it, could that explain why this year, on those days where we had below freezing temperatures, that we saw deer moving later in the morning? I mean, I remember you, know, you were talking about the old days of the 30-30 lever actions and sounding like World yeah. War II in the woods. You know, this year, most of the deer that I'm hearing about that are killed are getting killed at 11, 11.30, noon, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. So was this, a, was this related to that, in that the well, temperature yes, didn't get above no, freezing until late, like 9 or 10 what, o'clock? What I find and have found from years of research using GPS collars or whatever, that when it's 10% or more colder than normal, okay. so this year we had days that were 20 degrees colder than normal 20 degrees out of 50s you know way more than 10 percent way way more oh yeah it's 40 percent so but i find when it's 10 percent or more colder than normal in the morning deer will move later it's just mm-hmm. kind of a shock you know it's kind of like me i walk outside i'm used usually i go out on my back deck every morning even if i'm getting up early i you know i go up a little earlier and i go out there and have my quiet time well if i go out there on the back and it's 20 degrees colder than it was the day before and i don't know that I probably don't have a big enough jacket on. I'm going, dang, it's cold out here, man. <laughs> well, deer kind of the same way. And so when it's colder than normal, especially this time of year, deer will move later. We've seen the same thing. We've been staying in the stand or blind or whatever till noon or so because we're seeing good action that mid to late morning. Everybody, you're listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. And on the line right now is Dr. Grant Woods. We're going to go to a break. And we'll be right back with more American Roots Outdoors right here. Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors and our special guest today and on the line is Dr. Grant Woods. What a man, Redbone Wayne, with so much knowledge. Well, you ain't kidding. Yeah, yeah. This guy is breaking things down and sharing in-depth things that just you know breaks some of the myths out there, and uh, it, it's very com- very much common sense. 
But this guy lives it. That's why he has so much knowledge. Yeah, and, and Dr. Wood, I mean, would you consider it breaking the myth or just the, the evolution of deer hunting? Because, I mean, I started hunting about 1980, and it was totally different hunting then than it is hunting now. And I think it's just been the evolution of the sport. Yeah. Well, I yeah. think we, you know, we know a lot more goodness. There's, you know, yeah. I don't know, but there are millions of trail cameras out there. And, and when I was, I'm 58, when I was, hate to admit that, when I was in graduate <laughs> school decades ago, uh, we were just, boy, we thought we had really made it big if we had enough money to put a radio telemetry collar on a deer. And they weren't <laughs> that accurate. And in mountain country, they may be a quarter mile off. And, <laughs> and you would get a reading with an antenna. And then you had to drive around the other side of the mountain and get another reading, and you figured that triangulation is called. Well, the deer may have moved a couple hundred yards in that meantime, and now we have GPS collars. We know, you know, all day long within a couple of meters exactly where that deer is standing, whether its head is down, whether it's up, whether it's bedded. Head up usually means alert, down is feeding. I mean, we just know so much more. So, But with all of that, you know, we still don't know a whole lot about deer. I mean, we... We know a lot about the physiology inside, blah, 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 but, that, you know, they avoid me. Gosh, I've been blessed to study deer now for decades, and and I still love chasing them and learning. This morning I, I filled my buck tag here in Missouri, but I got a couple of doe tags still, and I was out trying to fill them and just took a walk through the woods, a little misty over here, perfect stalking weather. Alex, you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. Oh, man. I yeah. just sliding through, and I saw five fawns. I did not see an adult doe just sliding through there. And I just love watching those fawns and studying how they behave and how they react to each other and, you know, all those things. It's just, you just keep learning. And it, guys like you all, and I know Alex and I have been buddies for a long, long yes. time, man. He, he's in the woods. He's just making observations. He didn't need a GPS caller. He's just out there <laughs> watching them and thinking about it. And at night, he's thinking about it. In the morning, he's thinking I do. about it. I do. You know, and, and there's some negative and positive about that. And the, 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 the negative is, and I don't want to be negative in the show, but when you have such a good farm and you've worked so hard and spent your money on it, planting eagle seed food plots and uh, running trail cameras and spending hours upon hours glassing from the truck or just putting in your hard work, People want to hunt close to your property because they know you got all the bucks. And I understand that, and they got a right to be there. But uh, where I want to go with this is that respect each other's land. Respect each other. And, you know, if someone wants to hunt the edge of my property and they're respectable, I will work with them. So will Wayne, my neighbor. Uh, But we just ask whoever does hunt the edge of our property, please shoot does or shoot a cold buck or mature buck. You know, we're trying to grow big bucks. But that being said... Where I want to get really in depth with is how important is food plots to people that have land? Because when you got people that move in close to your property, hunt your property, which is fine, they're not having results on their property, so that's why they're on your property. I want these listeners to hear why is it crucial to plant food plots and run trail cameras? You know, it all, so all of this starts in the dirt. You know, better soil, bigger antlers, and everyone should know that. You know, you, we, we want to go to Kansas or Iowa or Illinois or wherever because the soil is awesome. And one thing I like to share with people is here in Missouri, Alex, when you and I were youngsters, there, were, there weren't a lot of deer around, and there were no deer in northern Missouri, and they restocked those deer from Caney Mountain, you know exactly where that oh, is, yeah. and Drury Mincy and Peck Ranch. Those were the three big places where there were still some deer left or stayed on land, 
mm-hmm. and they would trap those deer a few at a time and take them to northern Missouri. So the net result is there's no difference in the genetics of a world record deer out of northern Missouri and these mountain deer you and I chase. It's You're just right. the soil or the groceries. Mm-hmm. And and if we think about this a little further, you know, a deer eating in a 40-acre bean field up at Kirksville, Missouri, he can pick, she can pick any leaf they want. And deer sense through the reflectivity of the leaf and the smell of the leaf which ones are most nutritious. You're right. When you're out there eating briars and rocks and hickory nuts, and deer don't eat hickory nuts, I just said that, mm-hmm. uh, you can't express your full potential. So food plots are an equalizer in a couple of ways. They allow guys like you and me to got land down here in the sticks and hills to grow some pretty doggone good deer. Our, our record on our place is 172 inches, and that's a heck of a deer for the Ozarks. Wow. Um, but guys in northern Missouri or anywhere in ag country, you think about it, that combine comes through, and it goes from the land of plenty to starvation alley because they don't have all the acorns and native browse because most of the land has been cleared for cropland. And I do hunt with some buddies in, in Kentucky and in those other states where there's a lot of ag. And if you're the guy that has some food plots, so all summer long, you're feeding on beans and corn in production ag fields, and all of a sudden the combine comes through, and that food source is practically gone. Combines are very efficient anymore. They don't spill a lot of grain. Yeah. That food source and cover, by the way, is gone. That cornfield's gone. It's no longer cover. You can sell the way across it. Uh, and you've got a food plot tucked back in the woods. Maybe you use an electric fence to preserve those beans all summer or let them grow a little bigger. And all of a sudden, you've got the only food in the neighborhood. Then you've got the deer in the neighborhood, too. So food plots are unquestionably one of the best tools any hunter has available, period. We have about four and a half minutes left here. A couple of questions. The first question uh, to our listeners out here, you need to ask yourself, how dedicated am I about deer hunting? How important is it to plant food plots? How important is it to myself to harvest a mature buck? Do I want to go spend that extra money uh, to create a great hunting place? So any of you out there that's not doing this and you see people that are killing big deer year after year, it's because they're putting the effort in to do this. Would you agree, Wayne? Yeah, I I agree. And also, I was just wanting to to uh, get a question answered from you to our listeners, and that is, if you had to pick the most important thing for someone to do before they put the seed actually into the ground, what would you say it needs to be? You know, plants are nutrient transfer agents, so if you don't have nutrients in the soil, they can't transfer them to the deer. That's all plants do, is they take nutrients out of the air and soil and make them available to consumers. That may be us eating a strawberry or deer eating a soybean leaf or something like that. So you've got to make sure your soil has some nutrients before the plants can transfer them to the, to the critters. That's good Okay, stuff. that's what I was thinking, too. Soil sample. I mean, it's the cheapest thing to get before you waste all that money on putting uh, Absolutely. food Absolutely. plots in that aren't going to grow. I mean, just a few dollars can tell you what you need to put down first. Absolutely. Yeah, that's good stuff, Redbone. Yeah, I, I I would agree, and and and, and I think the point uh, being made here, Alex, is is you know we don't want to uh, feel like we're talking down to people that no, don't no, that, that don't no, have the resources no, 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 or, no, no, or no, property no. to put in food plots and, and to do all of those things. Uh, you know, we don't want to make people feel bad because they not don't. at all. You know, not at all. So I, I just want we just want to inspire that. them. Yes. To do these things so they, they can, can have great farms to hunt. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So if we uh, educate them and they listen to this in-depth stuff, it's knowledge, free knowledge, 
to our listeners, and again, we're not down talking no one, right. but we want to encourage everybody to food plot and manage. But if you're a meat hunter, that's fine too. We have nothing against that. But if your neighbor's trying to manage, think about how can you all meet that medium to get along. Work together, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. that way you get to an, an entire section of QDMA, and everybody benefits. Well, I'm telling you, the rut is not over. It's still going on. I, I'm seeing some smaller bucks still cruising. I think most of mature bucks are locked down. And uh, I've seen some – I haven't seen any big bucks in, in a few days now. But I'm seeing year-and-a-half really? old bucks, and I, that tells me that, uh, that the bigger deer are locked down. I'm seeing does. And, you know, I tagged out opening day. I haven't harvested dough yet. I'm going to wait till late season to harvest my does. And, uh, yeah. But uh, the thing is here, I just had Wayne to give me a message here. Uh, we want to do an extended link for the podcast with you, Grant, because your knowledge is so important. But uh, I think what is important here that we're learning is how to everybody get along as outdoorsmen and deer hunters. That's the thing. But I, I want to thank you for being on the show, Grant. We're going to wrap it up here. We've got about 30 seconds. How can everybody follow Grant Woods? Hey, just check out Growing Deer. If you just Google Growing Deer, you'll find on a lot of sources. And, Alex, thank you so much for the opportunity to visit. Awesome. Everybody, you're listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. Thank you for listening. And remember, when your roots run deep and strong, there's no reason to fear the wind. So you never got to worry. What the wind might do, American Roots. Thank you for joining us for today's American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. You can find us on Facebook. Look us up on the World Wide Web at AmericanRootsOutdoors.com. We'll be back again next week on this great radio station. Welcome to American Roots Outdoors. Alex Rutledge, your host, and this is our bonus segment with Dr. Grant Woods, and what a great show we've had, Redbone. Oh, yeah, absolutely fantastic. If y'all listened to the other segments, it's just been tremendous. Yeah, and uh, I'm telling you, this you answered uh, one of the questions I've had for a long time, and that is, when I'm in the woods, 45 minutes after sunrise, why is it all of a sudden I'm starting to hear all these acorns fall on these cold days? And I never knew the, the technical reason why. And you answered that question for me, and I'm going to be able to take that home to my kids, and they're going to think I'm smarter than I was when I left. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you for the, cre- the, the free uh, college course here. I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, you just spend enough time out there, you figure out stuff every now and then. I don't know. I probably got thumped in the head by Big Acorn and started thinking about it. Yeah, and you had talked about the uh, the soil and the difference in the areas in that, and I'm just recently relocated uh, from Ohio uh, here, so you know we were talking about different for me, it's a, a learning a whole new style of hunting. Mm-hmm. I went from hunting, uh, for us, if you had three acres to hunt on in a, in a suburb, because I did a lot of urban hunting, mm-hmm. uh, you were considered one heck of a lucky guy. You know, now for me to own 65 acres, all my you know buddies back in Ohio are like, oh my gosh, what are you doing with all that land? And I'm thinking 65 acres down here is really not that <laughs> much. You know, so it's all in perspective. But the, the soil, I mean, we literally would have to dig two feet down before I hit a rock. And, and here I'm finding I have to dig through two feet of rocks to find some soil. So, you know, that's, um, do you have any recommendation for, you know, people that have like down here in Southern Missouri and other areas that, you know, have rocky soil what is it that you find that can help you out uh, to get you know your stuff to grow? I'm going to so say this we, before you say that, Grant. Been using a system. Grant, 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 Grant. It's just a technique. I call it a buffalo system. I just really, 
I own a really rocky piece of land just north of Branson, Missouri. If you ever driven to Branson, you see the through the big rock cuts on the highway. There's there's yeah. no soil on top. Cedar trees going right out of rocks, whatnot. And so, by default, I never disc here just because there's there's nothing to disc but rocks, literally. And I would no-till drill, and then you know when that crop was done, I'd drill another crop in it, maybe spray to control weeds if I had weeds. But and through the years, I started building this black organic matter, you know, and it was strange because literally when I started. You would drill and look behind the drill and see seed laying on the ground or a high percentage of them laying on the ground because they couldn't get in. And now, you know, we bury 90% of the seeds or so. you gotta, you got to pay more attention when you're driving a tractor. And, and through the years, I started thinking about how the buffalo trample and urinated defecate, and they would eat the vegetation and move on. And I started thinking about how I could mimic that with my planting. So I grow eagle seed beans in the summer. They're just big, huge. They grow anywhere. They're drought-resistant, literally, and deer love them. And they put a lot of tonnage out. And, and that's important not just to feed a lot of deer in a small food plot, but hopefully there's some left, and that turns into high-quality mulch right on top of the soil. And now I drill my fall plot right into those standing beans. I mean, I drive right through standing beans. You kind of want to cry when you're doing it, but they're so healthy. Unless you wait till too late in the year, I plant about August or so, mid-August, 90% of them will just stand back up. <laughs> so now I have pods or eagle seed beans making pods and greens in the same plot i'm getting double the value out of each acre and deer love the pods on cold days when it's cold those pods are high in oil soybean oil and that's high in energy just and they could they you know regulate their temperature by their diet or or their activity where we go to the house and adjust the thermostat up in their log on the fire and on a warm day I almost never see a deer eat a pod. They're going to eat greens because there's not near as much energy in the greens, and that's how they can help regulate their temperature. So I've got greens and grain in the same place, and that has been a game changer for us. And I'm also going more tons breakers so I can feed more deer, but that mulch then becomes high-quality soil. And, mm. and the biggest thing, and I'll probably freak a bunch of people out right here, but I've learned that I'm really not an antler farmer. I'm a worm farmer because mm-hmm. if I've got a really healthy population of earthworms in the soil, then their you know earthworm poop is high quality fertilizer. Wow! Uh, that if I've got you know if I can get about 25 worms per shovel, and I can't stick a shovel too deep in my rocky wow. place, and I'm just where I'm at now. I'm, as a matter of fact, we killed a buck the other day. He was out there taking pictures, and I I get bored doing that, so I started pulling up soybean stems and looking at the dirt and them. And I noticed every soybean stem I pulled up had several earthworms below it. That, that's well, amazing. <laughs> they're working every day, 24 hours a day. They're not like sleeping. And they're aerating the soil. They're making it just like God wanted, so the right amount of air and water can get into the soil. Their slime is highly nutritious, so everywhere they go, they're leaving fertilizer. And, and when they defecate, it's the best fertilizer I can buy. So I can literally get tons a fertilizer for free by leaving that mulch. Because you think now, I know Alex is a great fisherman, you just go down the river and you want to dig some earthworms, you don't go to the sandy bank, you go to where there's some deep soil with some leaves on top, and that's where you find the best night crawlers. Wow. Same way with your food plot. If you disc, you're killing earthworms by the gazillion and exposing them to the sun and desiccating them or drying them out and killing them. I haven't disc a single time literally on my farm in 17 years. Zero. Gentlemen, wow. gentlemen, 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 
Now you see why Dr. Grant Woods is one of the most sought-after authorities for speaking engagements, etc. And our listeners, you see why this man is so sought-after. He, he lives it, and he, he's a biologist. He's a doctor. So this guy really knows what he's talking about, Redbone. Taking it to the next level. Taking it to you the know, next level. You know, it is. It is. But it can be fun. It don't have to be too intense. And I've just learned by leaving that mulch out there, I'm making a great earthworm bed. And, and, and so here's a big secret, guys. I can afford to do more food plots because I have not paid one penny for lime or fertilizer in seven years. Not here's a question penny. for you. What do you think of that smorgasbord that I helped design? Man, it's, it's working good, man. It's working good. Yeah, the, the smorgasbord, and it goes back to reference to some of the things you've touched on. You know, you, you said you have the silage, then you have the greens. You know, if you look at the smorgasbord, it, it's actually a, a smorgasbord of, of brassicas and uh, annuals and perennials, and uh, it's a lot of high protein there, Wayne. Right. You know, Alex, you, again, you're just going back to what God created. When we go to natural prairies or natural glades here in the Ozarks, there's a lot of different species of plants growing, not just a monoculture. And different plants secrete different acid, literally different acid, out of the roots, and that's what breaks down the rocks or the base layer and allows those nutrients to be available for plants to take up. So if you're planting a monoculture, you've got to add fertilizer. But if you're getting into planting a diverse crop, like smorgasbord or other good crops, and let those different roots, they go to different depths, they, they feed different bacteria. We, when we say bacteria, we're always saying, ooh, that's bad, you know, doctor, bad, bad, bad. But most bacteria is very beneficial, especially in the soil. Mm. And it's breaking down rocks and nutrients that, so plants can, can use those things. So anyway, that's getting deep. But you, you can grow good deer anywhere, literally anywhere, if you improve the dirt. Yeah, here's what I've learned, guys, from, from Dr. Grant Woods. Next time I'm in the Branson area and I'm wanting to go table rock, and wanting to go fishing, I go over to Grant Woods, and that's where I get my night crawlers. No, no kidding, man. Come on. Yeah, it's, find a, find a bean field, pull up a bean, and pick some worms. <laughs> he may have you on camera. He's got cameras all over his property monitoring. He'll have you arrested. Well, you better get hey, permission you for you go. Let me end here with the funny. Let me tell you funny, guys. We had a, Everybody has this. We had a trespasser earlier this year. Got a truck camera picture of him. He had kind of tactical pants and black boots and it's summertime, had this funky jacket on. Anyway, you know, not not good news, not good news. And my wife and her church group and whatnot use our property all the time. So I take this really serious. So, yeah. man, I, I got this truck camera picture, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to do business. Yeah, and we, I posted on our Facebook page, you, oh, yeah. you know, and, like, I'm going to find this guy. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I'm working in Kentucky, and my wife calls me and says, hey, I, I know who this trespasser is. I really? And I put on there on our Facebook page, on social media. Social media can be evil or good. And and I said, I'll pay a reward for the conviction of this gentleman. I'm not trying to be mean, but, mm-hmm. you know, again, my family uses my property. I don't want people walking around with guns on my property uninvited. That's just a bad thing. So anyway, my wife says, hey, I, I know a trespasser. I'm, I'm, I'm on Highway 24, Interstate 24 in Kentucky, headed home, been working out state. She said, well, I just went and looked at a bunch of Facebook stuff, whatever. Anyway, she'd figured it out. And that's great. We're able to get the game more there. You know, it worked out perfect. The bad thing is, I had said I would pay this reward. Well, my wife asked for way more than anyone else would ask for, so I had to <laughs> had to had to fess up. There. But anyway, it, was, it was a gentleman that was a little bit disoriented there, and he got on our property, and it, it's all good now. But we had a little visit, and he understands the rules. It's all good now. 
good stuff. Yeah, I do want to ask you a quick question uh, for the uh, this extended podcast uh, coverage that we're doing here. You had briefly mentioned about how the acorn falling now is going to be beneficial for the turkeys this next spring. Can you elaborate just real quickly on that? You no, know, yeah, turkeys, man, Alex knows this. He's playing the gazillion of them. Turkeys eat anything, worms, little snakes. I mean, they just eat anything. But late winter, you know, a lot of food sources aren't available, and turkeys will eat those big old red oak acorns. I don't even know how they break them down, but they eat those big old acorns. And so when you have that great food supply late winter, those gobblers are going to have a lot of fat, and they're going to go in that breeding season heavier than if they're out there just scratching, trying to find a tick or a seed or something to eat. Which, by the way, can I go on one step further yeah. here? Yeah, we've got Real about a uh, minute left. Uh, I'll save it for the next time. It's too long. Okay. Okay. Well, listen, everybody, what a wonderful show. Redbone, uh, Wayne Locke, uh, Dr. Grant Woods, so much information, man. And again, we just want to stress, we're not ever trying to talk down to anybody. We just want to inspire people to to try to create better habitat and to manage your, your wildlife. If that's what you choose to do. Everybody has the right to choose what they want, you know. And Dr. Grant, your knowledge is just so unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, thank you very much for coming on. This was greatly appreciated. Yep. Thank yep. you, guys. I'm 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 just excited to be able to join y'all. Everybody, follow Dr. Grant Woods at GrowingBigDeer.com. One of the most sought-after speakers and knowledgeable whitetail men in the world. You're listening to American Roots Outdoors. Thank you for joining us. And remember, when your roots are deep and strong, there's no reason to fear the wind. Around your heart, so you never gotta worry what the wind.